Let us turn now in God's holy word to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8 for our reading of God's holy word. You'll find it in your pew Bible on page 470. Page 470 in the pew Bible. As we're going to read from Ezra chapter 8. Last week we looked at Ezra chapter 7 of how Ezra is sent to serve and how he was sent to serve. In in Ezra chapter 8 we're going to look at the purpose for which God's people were sent. We're sent on this journey, this journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. A journey that was not safe. A journey with many trials and difficulties. With many challenges. But with the great blessing of the king to leave behind the city of destruction. And no, I'm not talking about Artaxerxes. Even though he did give permission to leave. It was because of God. And because of God that they were able to return Back to where they were meant to be. Back to where the presence of Almighty God was in Jerusalem. Ezra chapter 8. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. These are the heads of their father's house. And this is the genealogies of those who went up with me from Babylonia. In the reign of Artaxerxes the king. Of the sons of Phineas, Gershom, of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hetush, of the sons of Shechaniah, who was of the sons of Parash, Zechariah, with whom was re- were registered 150 men, of the sons of Pahath Moab, Eliohanai, the sons of Zerahiah, and with him 200 men, of the sons of Zatu, Shechaniah, the sons of Jahaziel, and with him 300 men, of the sons of Adin, Ebed, the sons of Jonathan, and with him 50 men, of the sons of Elam, Jeshiah, the son of Athaliah, and with him 70 men, of the sons of Shephatiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, and with him 80 men. Of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehiel, and with him 218 men. Of the sons of Bani, Shelameth, the son of Josephiah, and with him 160 men. Of the sons of Babai, Zechariah, the son of Babai, and with him 28 men. Of the sons of Asgad, Jehanan, the son of Hakatan, and with him 110 men. Of the sons of Adonikam, those who came later, their names being Eliphalath, Jael, and Shemaiah, and with them 60 men. Of the sons of Bigvi, Uthai, and Zakur, and with them 70 men. I gathered them to the river that runs to Ahava, 
And there we camped three days, as I reviewed the people and the priests, and found there none of the sons of Levi. Then I sent for Eleazar, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jarob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, Meshalam, leading men, and for Jorab and Elnathan, who were men of insight, and sent them to Ido, the leading men at the, at the place Casaphiah, telling them what to say to Ido and his brothers and the temple servants at the place Casaphiah, namely to send us ministers for the house of our God. And by the good hand of our God on us, they brought us a man of discretion of the sons of Malai, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, namely Sherebiah with his sons and kinsmen, also Hashabiah, and with him Jeshiah of the sons of Merari, and with his kinsmen and their sons, besides 220 of the temple servants, whom David and his officers had set apart to attend the Levites. These were all mentioned by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king. The hand of our God is for, is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. Then I set apart twelve of the leading priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten of their kinsmen with them, and I weighed out to them the silver and the gold and the vessels, the offer for the house of our God, that the king and his counselors and his lords and all Israel there present had offered. I weighed out into their hand 650 talents of silver and silver vessels worth 200 talents and 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold worth 1,000 darics and two vessels of fine, bright bronze as precious as gold. And I said to them, you are holy to the Lord and the vessels are holy and the silver and the gold are a freewill offering to the Lord. The God of your fathers, guard them and keep them until you weigh them before the chief priests and the Levites and the heads of fathers' houses in Israel at Jerusalem, within the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites took over the weight of the silver and the gold and the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem, to the house of our God. Then we departed from the river Ahava. On the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, the hand of our God was on us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. We came to Jerusalem, and there we remained three days. On the fourth day, within the house of our God, the silver and the gold and the vessels were weighed into the hands of Merimoth, the priest, son of Uriah. And with him was Eleazar, the son of Phinehas. And with him 
were the Levites. Josabad, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benoi. The total was counted and weighed, and the weight of everything was recorded. At that time, those who come from captivity, the returned exiles, burned, offered burnt offerings to the, to the God of Israel, twelve bulls for all Israel, ninety-six rams, seventy-seven lambs, and as a sin offering, twelve male goats. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. They also delivered the king's commissions to the king's satraps and to the governors of the province beyond the river, the aid of the people and the house of God. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our text for this morning's message is on that chapter in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. Under the title of From Babylon to Jerusalem. From Babylon to Jerusalem. I wonder have many people here ever moved house? It's not an easy thing to do. Something myself and my family have done I think two times over over the last eight years. It's difficult. It's difficult to do for a number of reasons. There can be, there's new neighbors, a new job, possibly a new school for the children, and other things to deal with. People who move house, who move where they live, there's a reason for that move. There's a purpose for that change of house. It may be a better job. It may be because you want to bring your children to a specific school. It may be even perhaps there's not a good church in your area. This is not something that's often a problem here in Northern Ireland. We praise God for that. But in some parts of the world, some people have to move in order to go to a church that preaches the gospel. Things that are not available in their home. Some by moving, also want to experience something different, something new. There's various different purposes why people move house. That's our way of looking at moving in the Western world, in our modern Western world. Um, But much of the rest of the world, I would say this, would love to have our problems Much of the rest of the world does not often leave its home because of these reasons. To experience something new purely for a better school or anything else like that. They're often doing it to escape oppressive governments. For much of the world living under cruel and oppressive governments. They can only move if the the ruler allows them to. And that was certainly the case in Persia. And the Persians were unusually tolerant compared to the Babylonians and the Assyrians before them. But at the same time, the only way that any of God's people could leave, humanly speaking, is if the king gave them permission. Years ago in Dublin, I I taught as a teacher of English as a foreign language. 
And my classroom was filled with people from Venezuela. And they didn't have much English and they struggled. And I got to see what it was like for them to have to depend on a foreign ruler to be allowed to stay in another country. The, the uh, law changed at that time. Um, and it prevented them from changing their money into euros. And they had to sadly return home. A decision made by their ruler in Venezuela called them back. And it was, it was designed to do so. It's something that I, I, I believe we don't, we don't know much about here in the West. At least not yet. Most then of my class sadly had to return to Venezuela. And had to return to a nightmare. They only got to taste the freedoms that they had in Dublin. And that is a reality for much of the world. That is the norm for most of human history. They could only leave if their leader, if their ruler allowed them to. So it was for them still in Babylon. If we go back to Ezra 7 verse 13... This is what Artaxerxes says, I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteered to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. Now he's speaking about Ezra. They may go with Ezra. And that was a big thing. This is some 57 years after the end of Ezra chapter 6. They are set free from their captivity because, humanly speaking, of course it's because of God, but humanly speaking, because the ruler granted it to them. They gave them a greater taste of the freedoms of heaven as they were sent from Babylon to Jerusalem. And this freedom that they had now and that we have today has a purpose. There's a reason we're still here. There's a reason we're still breathing. There's a reason the Lord leaves us on this earth and hasn't called us home yet. Because we're still traveling on that journey ourselves from Babylon to Jerusalem. To experience more and more of the freedom that we will experience one day In that heavenly Jerusalem. To taste and see what we've been set free from in that captivity. And to give God all the praise. All the honor. All the glory due to his name. So by God's grace let us here this morning. Experience, taste and see. More and more of this heaven. This Jerusalem above to come. So we're sent from Babylon for what purpose? They're sent here from Babylon for what purpose? The first purpose we're going to look at this morning from this text is sent to save. Sent to save. Verse 1. Those are the heads of their father's houses. And this is the genealogies. The genealogy of those who went up with me from Babylon 
in the reign of King Artaxerxes. With me, that is Ezra speaking here. This sending of God with his servant Ezra, it had a purpose. It was a rescue mission. It was bringing them out of slavery, out of captivity, out of exile to rescue them. Yes, in some ways their lives might have been okay, financially speaking. They may have comforts and things that they may have had to say goodbye to. But they were moving away from Babylon now. Sent away from Babylon to go to where the presence of God was, the temple. The temple, remember, was in Jerusalem and it had been rebuilt. It had been rebuilt some 50 Seven years at this point. By the time Ezra is sent. Ezra here is a type of Moses leading his people. In another exodus. Out of slavery. Delivering them. From bondage. Humanly speaking their only hope. And I say this humanly speaking. To leave that house of bondage. To leave this city of destruction. The only way they can leave. Is in and with Ezra. This is the permission Artaxerxes king of Persia had given them. All those willing must go up. Can go up with Ezra. Ezra was given royal permission. Of the Persians to return from exile to freedom. And as it is with God. As it is with our own Salvation, as it is with our own deliverance from Babylon. We have royal permission in Christ. We have permission from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be brought away from spiritual captivity, spiritual slavery, and to be brought home. The Jerusalem above, which is free. As Galatians 4.26 tells us. The city of destruction. We cannot escape it in our own will. See the thing about the city of destruction. Of Babylon. We want to stay there. Spiritually. We, we love. We're quite comfortable with that place. Spiritually. And until we're born again of the spirit of God. That is our home. The desire to move with God's people. To Travel on that journey, that difficult, dangerous journey, filled with challenge and trial towards Jerusalem, is only if we've been born again. The only way we'll ever want to set out on that journey is if God revives us, if God gives us spiritual life. Without God's Spirit, Babylon is your home, and Babylon is where you are comfortable. Only those willing to go with Ezra. As the decree of Artaxerxes said. It says in Psalm 110 verse 3. Your people shall be volunteers. Or your people shall be willing. In the day of your power. In the day of your power. His power. The power of God. Makes us willing to leave behind the world. Be soldiers of Christ. And travel toward Jerusalem. God is sending us. Home. This world is not our home. It's not our home. 
that place you call an address, it's not your home. And I say this to say this, don't fear the end of the journey. None of us relish death. Death is an enemy, of course. But we should not fear the end of the journey. The end of the journey brings us home to our eternal home in heaven. He is sending us on this journey. It's to rescue us. And we have been saved from the wrath to come. All of us who are in Jesus Christ. But we will be rescued fully from the presence of sin. When we die. When we are brought into the presence of God. Brought out from the presence of any of the taints of sin of this world. Brought into the presence of God. It's possible my dear friends. I say this lovingly. To be in the church here this morning. In a time when multitudes have forsaken church. Simply using COVID as an excuse. Not to come to church. It's possible to be in church. Even in these difficult times. In these stressful times. And yet still not know Christ. I remember as a a young Roman Catholic growing up thinking, as long as I keep going to Mass, of course I know it's a false religion, but as long as I keep going to Mass, I'm okay. And my brothers, my brother, my sisters, they don't go to Mass anymore. As long as I'm a little bit better than other people, I'm okay. We can fall into this thinking, don't. We all need to be rescued. Every single last one of us. And I ask you this question. Are you comfortable in Babylon? Are you comfortable in this world? Do you love it? Or do you you long to be free from it? Yes, if you're here in Christ Jesus, you are free from it. But yet, you will be home one day. You will be free from the presence of sin. Do you long for that? In Revelation 21 verse 2 it says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. We need to see our our need to leave Babylon. And so they did too. They saw their need to leave Babylon and to travel toward another city. God's city. One where they would have freedom. Not the full freedom of the heaven above, but greater tastes of heaven. Number two now. The second purpose for which they have been sent. Sent to serve. Sent to serve. So they've been sent to save Now we're all going to look at they have been sent to serve. This is the purpose for which they have been sent. Verse 15. Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava. And we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests and found none of them. Of the sons of Levi there. And then if we go down to verse 18. It says, Then by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding, the sons of Malai, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, named 
namely Sherebiah, with his sons and daughters, 18 men. Then verse 20, also of the Nethinim, whom David and the leaders had appointed of the service of the Levites, 220 Nethinim. All of them were designated by name. They come and there are none filling the office of Levite. And there is a need to fill this office. The purpose for which they've been sent here is service. Service. And that they were freed from captivity to serve God. Here we have the roles of the Levites needing to be filled. Who is sought out? From our text we know they were men of understanding. Men of understanding. Verse 18. They brought us a man of understanding of the sons of Mali, the son of Levi. Qualified men. Men with gifting to bless the body of Christ. This freedom was not some way for them to have a better life in this world. And there's a sense in which, yes, your life will be better in this world, knowing God. And it will be better to serve. But it's not why you do this. It's not why you serve. This was so that the temple of God would be served. There's a temptation to think of us being sent from Babylon to Jerusalem. It's so that we will not face hell. And that is a wonderful truth. Saved from the wrath to come. None of us will face the wrath of Almighty God. The holy and just wrath that all of us deserve. If we're in Christ Jesus, we won't face that. That is wonderful. But that is not the only purpose for which you've been sent on this journey. You've been sent on this journey to serve. As these Levites were. And the danger with thinking like that is we do the least amount possible, don't we? We're only focused on the end. As long as we don't go to that nasty place, hell. But are we thinking about? Are we thinking about serving here and now for the purpose for which our bonds have been removed? For the purpose on which we have been sent on this journey in the first place. Babylon, no longer our home. And our new home in Jerusalem. We're not there yet in heaven. But in another sense, we are. In another sense, we are. Seated in heavenly places today. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 6, And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead raised with him made us sit together in heavenly places we are here on this earth between these two points as we travel To bring the rule of heaven to bear here. To bring the rule and peace and freedom of Jerusalem. Jesus prayed this. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to live lives here with this reality of Jerusalem above, which is free, being our home. Not in the midst of the the influences of Babylon. While we pass and journey away from doom, from destruction... We do so to serve, to serve the temple that is the body of Christ. The building blocks are your brothers and sisters in Christ. The foundation is the teaching of the the prophets and the apostles. The chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. There were no Levites there to fulfill the role. Within the temple. It tells us in verse 15. They sought out for men of understanding. Verse 16. This freedom was not some holiday. This freedom was for service. And, and God needs to guide this decision. When we have office bearers in the church. Whether they be deacons. Whether they be ruling elders or or. Ministers, God needs to guide this decision. It says in verse 18, Then by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding. And we're a whole heap of trouble if we don't go by God's leading and directing. If we don't make decisions of this magnitude and importance, being guided by God, being led by Him, Realizing the limitations of our supposed wisdom. The blindness of our hearts and our minds at times. And we should praise God here in Kolibaki, shouldn't we? Because we have elders and we have many deacons. Praise God for that here. Those, speaking about elders... Who are to lead and feed the flock. They are to be men of understanding. Men qualified for this most important role. I say this because many congregations don't have deacons. In the wider church. There's a shortage of ruling elders. There's a shortage of ministers. Not even just in our own denomination. But in Northern Ireland. In Scotland. In many places. Should we not seek our God urgently in our great hour of need? Because what does it say of the church? And I'm speaking generally here. But whether it's Scotland, maybe this is true in parts of the United States, I'm not sure. But Scotland, Northern Ireland and other places. What does it say of the church if few are willing to serve? Few are willing to To suffer. And it is a role to suffer in. And few. Are qualified. The work is not easy. But we are sent. To serve. And we need God's help. And we need God's help to raise up men. And also outside of the offices. There are other roles. Roles that women. Play to bless The body of Christ. We need God's help, dear friends. 
to serve in the way that is pleasing before him. Our third purpose we're going to look at is sent to surrender. So the purposes for being sent from Jerusalem or from Babylon to Jerusalem to save, to serve, to surrender. As we seek this help from God, we need to see how much we depend upon Him. We need to surrender any, any false sense. And by God's grace along our journey, we will do that. Any false sense that we are in control. Yes, we, have, we don't believe we can save ourselves. We trust in Christ alone. But at times, we can be gripped by anxiety. Gripped by worry. Tormented by one thought. And this it is this. We think we're in control. We think if I just do X, Y, and Z, everything will be okay. And often, as, we, as you see in the book of Haggai and other places, God takes it away from us. He shows you, you depend on Him. And it's the most loving, kind, and merciful thing He can do. The worst thing He can do is give you the false sense that you're in control. You're not. In verses 21 to 23, it says this, Then I proclaimed a fast, this is Ezra speaking, there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from Him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Verse 22 tells us why they were doing this. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us Against the enemy on the road. Because we we had spoken to the king saying. The hand of our God is upon all those for good. Who seek him. But his power and his wrath is against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he answered our prayer. So here Ezra clearly has no sense of dependence on self. He has no sense on, well, we'll just be clever and the direction we'll go, we'll, we can avoid these enemies. He is completely dependent upon his God and he's trusting that the hand of God was upon him. He's seeking God's protection. And they seek it through fasting and prayer. Fasting is something very little spoken about today. Often because it is done by so few. It's been probably a very neglected doctrine for about 100, 150 years or more. And when people think of fasting, they might think of the abuses of the medieval church, the legalism. But you have to remember this, fasting is not the end It is a means to the end. And that is prayer before God. Fasting is something used in a time of crisis. In a time of great need. And something which will remove distractions. We think of food. We think of other things. But it removes distractions to allow us to facilitate us to pray. And when we're hungry and we're fasting. We see our weakness. We see we're creatures. We see... We go a few hours without food. Our hands are trembling, aren't they? I know mine are. 
It facilitates us praying before God. We don't come. Sometimes when we come with a full belly before God. We have no sense of our need. And our helplessness. But you go four, five hours, six hours, whatever, without food. You have a greater sense of your need. Ezra did not bring an escort of soldiers with them. He said he was ashamed to do so. Now this does not mean that that reasonable means to preserve life are bad. It, It doesn't really mean that. And we shouldn't really take that away from this. It really depends on the situation. And that's not what's being focused on in this text you might even wonder here, was Ezra really wise to, to not bring this escort? He was allowed to bring soldiers with him if he wanted to. Was he wise to do so? Because this is a dangerous road. They talk about enemies along the way that can ambush them. There's many, many dangers and bad things that can happen along the way. But that's not the main point here. Ezra was seeking to live a message that was consistent with what he was saying. What did he say before God? He said this. The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. He wants to go before the the most powerful king on the earth at that time. King Arxaxerxes. The Persian ruler. And he he doesn't want to go like this. I trust my God. But but please help me here. can you send the big soldiers? I, I, I'm trusting in God, but he, he, di- he didn't want to come across that way. He didn't want to come across, yes, I'm trusting God, but I'm shaking for dear life at every enemy that's going to come along the way. He didn't want to come to Arxaxerxes saying this, he will deliver us, but could you bring a bunch of soldiers with you? He was thinking about what the message would send to Arxaxerxes at that time. He was ashamed to do it. He desired that others, unbelievers, would see he really believed what he was saying. No doubt, as today, back then, there were probably many people who professed to believe in God, but their life was a complete and utter contradiction. And maybe Arxaxerxes had seen all these Jews who professed to follow Jehovah. But it wasn't a great testimony. Today, we, we, we trust in God, but we, we live in fear of every news headline. We live in fear of every sniff of persecution that could potentially come. Ezra did not want to put that fear forward to the king. Send me. I'm trusting in my God because as I'm saying here, he is more powerful than your soldiers. Does what we say and what we do match up? And this is really, Ezra, whatever we want to say about it, we don't know the full ins and outs of everything that went on there. But he was very careful in how he showed his profession of faith in God. It doesn't mean we live carelessly. 
But we want to see others trust in God. He depended on God totally. He sees the only way to safety. The only safe journey to Jerusalem is by his sovereign hand. He trusts him enough. We know in verse 23... It said he answered our prayer. There's some assurance that this is the right thing to do. We don't know how exactly it was answered. But Ezra is given this assurance in verse 23. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he answered our prayer that this was the right thing to do. Somehow this was the right thing to do. They depended fully upon God and he delivered them. He brought them. On their way to their journey. Verse 31 says this. Then we departed from the river Ahava. On the twelfth day of the first month. To go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us. And he delivered us from the hand of the enemy. And from the ambush. From ambush along the road. I don't know how I would react. If you're traveling along a road. And you're nervous. The bandits could come. We've got cars. I can go 60 miles an hour up and down the the motorway. They're walking probably on foot or whatever the case may be. And they're worried about whether there are dangerous people. Have you ever gone through a city and walked through the wrong street? You're a bit afraid, aren't you? But in all the midst of that, they trusted in their God. But they sought him. And, And I say this, dear friends. Should we fear anything, he will bring us safely to our Our final destination. He will bring us to Jerusalem. Finally number four. Sent to sacrifice. The purpose that they've been sent to do. As they travel from Babylon to Jerusalem. Is to sacrifice or to worship. It's to save. To serve. To surrender. And to sacrifice. Verse 24 of Ezra. Chapter 8. And I separated 12 of the leaders of the priests. Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten of their brethren with them. And also in verse 28, and I said unto them, You are holy to the Lord, and the articles are holy also. And the silver and the gold are a freewill offering to the Lord God of your fathers. Finally then, verse 35, near the end of the chapter, the children of those who have been carried away captive, who have come from captivity, Offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel. Twelve bulls of all, of all Israel. Ninety-nine ram, 90, Sorry, ninety-six rams. Seventy-seven lambs. Twenty male goats as a sin offering. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. In surrendering to God, any sense of which we're in control, we, we see, we depend upon him. And when we depend upon him, we pray to him. And in our service, we worship him. The journey to Jerusalem is difficult. Our worship on this earth is a challenge. It won't be a challenge in the heavenly Jerusalem. We won't be tired. We will worship him for all eternity. And we'll never grow weary of it. But here it is a challenge. As we challenge with our flesh. We look forward to the final sacrifice of praise in Jerusalem. Once we have finished our journey. By God's grace. There will be glorious 
praise and worship of our God. This is something, isn't it, dear friends, that John Hawthorne is experiencing today. He has finished his race. The lay minister of the congregation I'm from, Loch Brickland, David Silversides, is also rejoicing in heaven. That's the end of our journey. That's why we've been sent. Worship. We are released and sent away from spiritual Babylon to express a wonderful freedom. A freedom with shouts of joy, with glorious emotion as it is a taste of heaven to come. This is something that we experience and love here and now. However imperfectly, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you love to praise and worship God, however imperfectly that is. None of us love it as much as we should, but we do love it. And we have to make sure, as they did, that as soon as the difficulties of the journey are seen, that we don't give up. And we don't get tempted to go back to Babylon. That we don't drift. There will be dangers. There will be difficulties. There will be trials. But we're not to expect anything else on this earth. We haven't been promised anything else on this earth. We've only been promised that full glorious freedom in the Jerusalem to come. And while we're here, we are to worship. We are to, as it says here, talks about sacrifice. The, the, The sacrifice of praise, it tells us in the New Testament, is the praise of our lips. That in worship we give of ourselves. They are bringing much wealth toward the house of God. They give generously. We give of ourselves. At the same time it's interesting. Malachi was writing. And prophesying to them. Around the same time. And in the people that were in Jerusalem at that time. He said this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. It comes from God, all that you possess. And I'm not just talking about money here. All that you possess is from God. We come with our gifts. We come with the things that God has given us to praise Him. Anything that we give back to Him. He's just given us every single Last bit of it. I say this to say this. That we don't come passively. We're actively involved in worship. We're invested in worship. It says in verse 28. Of this chapter. Verse 28. And I said to them. You are holy. Or it's really the plural here. Ye are holy. Holy to the Lord. These Levites. Yes this is to the Levites. For all were involved and holy before God. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. It talks about of the New Testament church. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. 
His own special people. A holy nation, a royal priesthood. It's not just a one man show. It's not just the minister or the preacher or whoever is leading worship. That they are active in worship and everyone else is passive. We must not get into that thinking. We are all together worshipping on our journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. We worship on our way to our heavenly home. We are pilgrims. This, This world is not our home. Verse 30. So the priests and the Levites received the silver and the gold and the articles by weight to bring them to Jerusalem and to the house of our God. God only asks that you give of what he has given you. That you bring your body to praise him. That you bring the fruit of your labor which God has given you. You bring your voice to praise him. You bring your mind to listen to God. You bring your heart so that these truths may be part of you. It all belongs to him. As we finish here, have you left behind Babylon, dear friends? Have you truly left it behind? Have you turned your back on it and begun your journey? And no longer want to return to it? Because you're heading towards somewhere far, far better. Now, Your, your arrival at Jerusalem does not depend on you. It depends on another it depends. Someone far better than Ezra. Some, someone far better than Moses. Jesus Christ. Who will lead you out of this exile. If you love God. Jerusalem above is your home. But if you love this world and your sin. Then the city of destruction. Babylon is your home. Where is Babylon today? It is in ruins. It is utter ruins. It is doomed. And so is spiritual Babylon. You need the king's permission to come to this heavenly Jerusalem. Come with the the permission, dear friends, of Christ. Come on this journey. Come and be free in him. Come and experience this freedom. Amen.